Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Your stool is ready. Jim Garrity is still away on work-related duties. And in his place, John Gabriel, editor-in-chief at ricochet.com. He's also the host of the King of Stuff podcast. And it's also extremely important to point out that he is the undisputed King of Stuff. If anybody else claims that they're the King of Stuff... They're wrong, but nobody is because it's undisputed. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis today. Two of them still deal with what we talked about yesterday with the uh, the leak and the, the draft opinion potentially coming on abortion here. But, uh, John, kind of a double-fisted good martini here today, which we're always happy to have. Some days it's really hard to find any good news. But this one is actually uh, good in a number of ways. Uh, right now, Politico reporting that the day after Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, Democratic donors poured more than $30 million into Democratic campaigns and groups through Act Blue. Now, of course, that meant there was a Supreme Court vacancy and there were midterm elections coming up. And so uh, the circumstances were a little bit different. But now uh, just $9 million uh, being given to Act Blue in the 23 hours following uh, this news from Politico. Uh, that uh, the court was poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so uh, Politico also quoting Julie Roginski. She used to be on Fox News quite a bit. I don't know if she still is or not. But uh, she's quoted as saying, midterm voters care about affordability first and foremost, and they are not people who are worried every single day about losing access to abortion. And then in big, bold letters, uh, my fear continues to be that sometimes we as Democrats run on things that we wish the voters cared about, rather than what the voters do care about. And I think she's onto something there, although she's probably not happy about the fact that she's right about this, John. Uh, but a Fox News poll out uh, at, in perfect timing, 44% think abortion should be legal in all or most cases. 27% think all, 17% think most. While a majority of 54% thinks it should be illegal all the time or most of the time all being 11% and most of the time being 43%. Uh, MSNBC even had polling out uh, as as this news was breaking on Monday that uh, while Americans uh, do uh, by a close but but considerable margin uh, approve of abortion in the first trimester, they're very much against it in the second and overwhelmingly against it in the third. So this whole idea that the Democrats and the media are out there pushing these days uh, about how the vast, vast majority of Americans are appalled by what the court might be poised to do here just isn't true. Yeah, it, I, I really don't think it's going to be um, any kind of a major uh, have a major effect for the Democrats in the midterms, because we saw this several years ago with uh, Miss Tennis Shoes herself, Wendy Davis running for governor in uh, the great state of Texas, and they tried to almost, you know, shut down the state. Um, it looked rather insurrectiony, let's say, when they uh, went into their state capital, and uh, she performed worse than most uh, Democratic governor candidates there. So um, I think pinning their hopes on this being a huge game changer is foolish, especially when people realize that if you're a voter in California or New York State, it will not affect you at all, this decision. And are they really going to uh, rush to the ramparts to defend um, the uh, personal health decision, let's politely call it, 
of people in Idaho. You know, I, I don't see them doing that. Uh, most of the states uh, where it's going to be at least somewhat restricted, these are red states. And I think uh, what uh, New Yorkers care about is New York and what Californians care about is California. They think they're in the vanguard and I doubt they're going to change their voting behavior. The people who are single issue voters uh, they already vote for Democrats. They're already extremely active. They already show up election after election, uh, but not that many people are. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. I do want to get your reaction. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, John. Uh, Eric Erickson, who's a radio host and uh, pretty active on social media, he's telling everybody to just calm down. He says not that much is going to change because states already, like you were saying, uh, and, and we mentioned yesterday, are going to uh, uh, you know, set their own abortion laws if, in fact, this is the ruling. He says most of them essentially have already done that. We saw these fights over in red states, heartbeat bills, 15-week bans, whatever it is. Uh, and then in the, in the deep blue states, uh, you know, a couple of years ago now that New York was lighting up the Empire State Building pink because they're allowing abortion all the way up to birth. And now you've got Maryland and California uh, even considering allowing neglect deaths after uh, babies are born following failed abortions. And so uh, is he right or is that a simplistic way of looking at what might be coming here? Yeah, these states, the way Democrats are going, they are going now for the fourth trimester abortion uh, with neglect. Yeah, Eric is completely right with this. Um, this should be a state issue. That is the entire point of striking down Roe is it should be uh, these decisions should be made closer to home. And the people who are striking down Roe, for the most part, they're crazy radicals like me who are just abhor the idea of abortion. Um, but constitutionally speaking, it's like, look, this is not, this is not mentioned in the Constitution. It should be decided by the states like it was before. Roe only poisoned the well. It made politics worse. It made jurisprudence worse. And uh, we kind of have to go back to brass tacks with this and decide this on a state-by-state basis. And that's the chance for people to change the hearts and minds of people if they want to get more people on their side. Um, if they're if they're in a more hostile state towards what we agree with. But uh, I, Eric is completely right. I, I really don't see this having a big impact on the midterms because people, they are filling up their um, cars with gas and that's what they care about. And they are going to the grocery store and wondering why it's more expensive every weekend. So that is what people are voting for. Democrats are lying to themselves. They think it's going to be something else. Yeah, I think on the margin, it might help get their base turned out uh, in certain races, especially competitive races around the country. So uh, that, that could potentially be a factor. But uh, as we have said for quite a while now on this podcast, uh, the big issues are going to be economy, especially inflation, schools and crime. And uh, no matter no matter what you think about abortion, those are things you're facing every single day if those issues are, are happening in your community. And certainly <laughs> schools and, and inflation are happening everywhere. Uh, and, and crime seems to be on the rise in a lot of places, too. Yeah. And I think another thing, if I can add that, uh, the reaction by Democrats, when you start having people screeching and screaming in streets, there were some violent um uh, violent uh, actions, as they call them now, in Los Angeles about this. When people see um, protesters come out radically pro-abortion, these are not uh, pro-choice people, they're radically pro-abortion people screaming in other people's faces, uh, that's going to turn off voters. And I think that's what happened uh, repeatedly in Texas when they tried to push this issue. Uh, people, even if they are pro-choice marginally, 
they don't want to hear a lot about it. It's just considered a distasteful subject. And uh, if you have uh, Elizabeth Warren screeching into microphones uh, down the street from you, you're just going to want to turn that down and uh, and vote Democrats out, I would think. Yeah, that was quite the performance yesterday outside the Supreme Court by uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, she got her. She got her fifteen seconds on the news, I guess. But uh, which was, I think, the whole point of that. But uh, all right, let's talk about our first uh, sponsor of the day, and uh, it's Masterworks. Have you heard about America 3.0? Well, imagine a scenario where the economy doesn't skew at the top, and where hardworking Americans have a real shot at a financially secure future. Now, America 3.0 isn't some socialist utopia idea. It's just about returning the country to the land of opportunity, and opportunities are all around us if you know where to look. In fact, there's one great investment opportunity that goes back 245 years, right to the time when America was just being built. It's a value-preserving asset class that's now valued at up to $1 trillion. And that asset is contemporary art. I know it's surprising to hear that contemporary art, like a Picasso painting, can be an investment. But in 2014, the Times reported that it's now firmly planted alongside equities, bonds, commodities, and real estate as an asset class. And then in 2020, they called it one of the hottest markets on earth. So to learn more, go to masterworks.io slash martini and see important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. But once again, for more information, masterworks.io slash martini. All right, John, let's move to our bad martini now. And... uh, One of the things we've learned over the past couple of years is that maybe trusting the CDC to get everything right is not the best idea. They've been all over the map on lockdowns and masks, and seems whenever the teachers union calls, they change their position on whether it's okay for students to be together and that sort of thing. But now we're learning uh, that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention were tracking us. Yeah, they were tracking us through our cell phones to make sure we were obeying their edicts on lockdowns. Daily Mail. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention paid for location data harvested from millions of cell phones to track compliance with COVID-19 lockdown measures. The CDC paid $420,000 for a year of access to the cell phone location data from the data brokerage SafeGraph, according to documents reported by Vice News on Tuesday. The data was aggregated, meaning that it was intended to show general trends rather than the movements of specific phones. However, the moves still set off alarm bells with some privacy advocates. So, John, given what we learn in dribs and drabs from uh, the government, the idea that, oh, they're not following specific people, they're just just looking at the overall picture, is supposed to somehow calm us down. I think either way, it's super creepy. Yeah, it really is. And just that they would have the ability to this means they could shift to focusing on private people pretty much anytime they wanted, um, if they're working with the safe graph people especially. Um, Yeah, this is why, uh, you know, if we had mentioned this as a possibility, even six months ago, you would be shouted down as conspiracy theorists, disinfo, misinfo, all that rigmarole before they would finally admit it. I think um, once more, we're just seeing this very intrusive security state um, focusing on people uh, wanting to control what people do. We've seen this revealed in Canada repeatedly. And instead of being horrified, people in Washington, D.C. seem to be taking notes on these things. Um, they, A lot of the people running our government want us to turn into the social credit score state like China has. And uh, Americans, thankfully, um, at least at this time, just aren't going to stand for it. Um, anytime the government trends in this direction, 
uh, to track people, to reward them for compliance with their with their orders. We just need to shout and holler and shout this down uh, so it doesn't get even worse because the government really loves that idea of being able to control behavior. But that's not what America is about. That's not what freedom is about. And uh, we can't stand even for slight moves in this direction. Um, if we look at this and say, well, it was just aggregate data and they're just they just care for our safety and health, um, then they're going to push further and further next time. They have the technology to do it and we just can't allow them to get close. No, absolutely not. And you and I have talked about uh, their move on personal movement. Uh, when it comes to uh, wanting to get us on public transportation and making it harder to get a car right. and then taxing mileage. The idea is that they can control movement and we don't want anything to do with that. But every time one of these uh, you know, privacy breaches gets brought up, whether it's the NSA a few years ago during the Obama years or some other time, it's always, first of all, never them that reveals it. Hey, we were doing this. We just right. wanted to know, but we weren't looking at anything individual. Uh, it's only when they get caught by some, some decent reporting that they have to admit it. And then they do the, oh, no, don't worry. We would never, ever uh, do that sort of thing. But right. uh, I think that rings hollow, don't you? Yeah, it totally rings hollow. Uh, we know not to trust these people. We've seen the just sheer incompetence in so many ways. But also um, the CDC, especially, they have just been trying to micromanage people's uh, reaction to COVID uh, with all these various prevention measures you have Anthony Fauci repeatedly admitting that he's saying, well, you know, three feet distance, keep your six feet distance. You know, we're just kind of guessing at this. Uh, he's kind of guessing at what percentage need to be vaccinated before we reach herd immunity. And he has said he's doing this to kind of gauge and then control American behavior. Um, we are adults here. We can make our own decisions. That is the purpose of um, the United States. That's why we were founded. And um, it's not up for the government to allow citizens to do A, B, or C. It's what we citizens allow the government to do. And as it stands now, we're allowing them to do far too much. Oh, perfectly said. Yes, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. And unfortunately, way too many people are okay with the government telling us what to do. Uh, John, I know on a personal level, this was not an issue for you. If anyone follows John on Twitter, you know how he uh, loves to find remote cabins on islands in the middle of ocean. So I don't <laughs> think uh, quarantining and uh, hunkering down during those first few months of the pandemic was much of a challenge for you. Yeah, I uh, spend far too much time watching off-the-grid cabin videos <laughs> on YouTube and taking furiously taking notes for, I don't know, I got to set up a bug out kit and uh, get ready. I already got the beard, so I'm ready for a life in pure isolation, but not. Can you make your coffee without electricity? That's the big question. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I have uh, means that I've used for camping in the past. So I am set up supplying good coffee uh, might be a little tricky up there in the mountains. You'll just have to grow it, I guess, uh, you know, right. somewhere, somewhere. Juan Valdez pulled that off back in the day. I remember that. He, was always, <laughs> yeah. he always seemed to be up in the mountains picking coffee beans in those commercials. So. Exactly. All right. Well, as you uh, fret about what the government might be monitoring, and probably is, let's be honest, uh, on your phone and elsewhere, uh, try to rest easy as much as you can. And for that, there are great products from MyPillow. And right now they've got their buy one, get one extravaganza going. So you can buy one and get one free, which is the concept there, at good prices. MyPillow bed sheets as low as $59.98. The MyPillows as low as $49.98. And the new Roll and Go Anywhere MyPillows starting at $29.98. And again, it's buy one, get one. 
So on these roll and go anywhere uh, my pillows, you can use it on your couch, your recliner, in your car. It's versatile enough to take with you on vacation or anywhere you go. It comes in multiple patterns and colors. It's machine washable and dryable, and it has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's a buy one get one extravaganza at mypillow.com/martini. Bed sheets and my pillows are just the tip of the iceberg. Find the full list of BOGO offers by visiting MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. Stock up with buy one, get one free savings today and get Mike's book free with any purchase. MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com slash martini. All right, John, on to the crazy martini now. And... Um, Whenever we talk about the Lincoln Project on here, we have to start with a big sigh. And it's not just the Lincoln Project, but they're the most egregious example of this. But we see it from a lot of these people who claim to be conservatives, then went hardcore, never Trump. And then somehow they weren't just opposed to Trump. They were opposed to almost every policy position they ever embraced prior to Trump, which is just the biggest head scratcher on the planet. Uh, You know, people who were uh, super in favor of moving the embassy to uh, Jerusalem uh, in Israel. Uh, All of a sudden, that was a bad idea when Trump did it. Uh, On and on and on. There was no intellectual consistency. All of a sudden, tax cuts, for heaven's sake, were a bad idea, depending on, on on who was proposing it. Well, now... It's this uh, likely decision coming down from the Supreme Court where these folks who told us they were on the right forever are now having major, major problems with this. And so uh, a bunch of different examples of this. First of all, Brett Stevens used to be at the Wall Street Journal. Now he's at the New York Times. Token righty, and I put that in quotes over there, says it shouldn't be hard to imagine how Americans will react to the court conspicuously providing aid and comfort to the 19%. I assume that's related to some poll. You may reason, justices, that by joining Justice Alito's opinion, you will merely be changing the terms on which abortion issues get decided in the United States. In reality, you'll be lighting another cultural fire, one that took decades to get under control. Really? Under control? In a country already ablaze over racial issues, school curriculums, criminal justice, election laws, sundry conspiracy theories, and so on. Lincoln Project itself, of course, getting in on this. Uh, They say that this uh, draft decision, if it is the final decision, will be another in a series of roll-back-the-clock efforts by right-wing extremists. These guys were making campaign ads on this issue for guys less than a decade ago. Uh, Every Supreme Court justice testified that Roe v. Wade was settled law. Apparently, that was not true. This decision will take America back to a dark period when states will have the power to impose the power of the state over even survivors and victims of rape and incest. The Alito decision should be seen in the context of a broad authoritarian movement that has become the majority of the Republican Party. And rounding things off, Evan McMullen, who in the very first words of this statement says, as a pro-life Utah, I'm concerned that the never-ending tug of war over abortion laws threatens to create a public health crisis and further divide the nation without solving anything. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, some states will immediately enact extreme laws, such as total bans on abortion. This is the pro-life guy, remember. Onerous limits on birth control and criminalization of women in desperate situations. I oppose these laws. John, it kind of reminds me of the Princess Bride line there, where they keep using that word, pro-life. I don't think it means what they think it means. Uh, Yeah. And to quote something I've heard Jim quote uh, several times, all I can think of is Denny Green. They are exactly who we thought they were. (laughs) Um, This is exactly what we are 
what we're seeing is uh, the people who kind of have shunted social issues, uh, conservative social conservatives off to the side with an embarrassed, you know, nodding of the head and let's move them over to the kids table. Um, now, finally, progress is being made and they're outraged about it. We are just seeing this repeatedly. Uh, Brett Stevens saying, oh, this is going to we finally got the fires about abortion under control. Um, when did we do that? My, right. my entire life they've been raging and only getting worse my entire life. I'm glad it's uh, him and he agrees with uh, Manhattan Literati's views on these things. But that's not where the rest of the country is. Um, as far as the Lincoln Project, I know Steve Schmidt was on Twitter yesterday, you know, banging his drum about what a brave defender of women he is and how, boy, I am going to fight for abortion rights. Um, he is the guy who uh, stage managed Alito during the Alito confirmation. And uh, apparently he's changed a little bit. So if anyone is responsible for this decision, it's him. It's Steve Schmidt. Um, but the checks are still clearing from the left that they get, and they want to make some money. He wants intergenerational wealth, and by gosh, he's going to get it. So um, we're just seeing these people reveal their true colors. We had uh, Bill Crystal do the same thing. Uh, Jonathan Last uh, doing the same thing. It, it's really disheartening to make you look back at their previous work, much of which was quite good, especially writing, and just wonder if they ever believed in anything. Because as you say, once uh, Trump supported these things, they have decided those are kind of too icky to support, and we're not going to do that anymore. Um, we need more people who uh, fight for their beliefs, even those beliefs I disagree with, because at least then we can have an honest debate rather than online posturing. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, disgusting. But, you know, when you watch politics long enough, uh, it shouldn't come as a huge surprise. And we've had six years of this now from the Lincoln Project. So, uh, right. but uh, Sam Alito was in the dissent as an appellate court judge on Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Where did you think he was going to come down? On this right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's such an outrage that he is uh, doing exactly what he has always done in his judicial career. Yeah. You wonder how long the grift is going to work for, for those guys in particular, oh. but uh, can't come soon enough. The end of that. But uh, John, always great to have you with us. Thanks for filling in today and we'll catch you down the road. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Great to be on. Thank you, sir. John Gabriel, editor-in-chief at ricochet.com, and he is the undisputed King of Stuff, host of the King of Stuff podcast, also, of course, at ricochet.com. Jim Garrity uh, will be back later in the week. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thank you so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Uh, thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow all of us on Twitter. John is at E-X-J-O-N. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Although I also think it's interesting that this experiment has kind of played out over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. And it, if anything, it gives us more evidence that uh, our culture of free speech was not a was not a weakness. Um, in fact, the alternative creates um, a much weaker culture, at least relative to the past. But this point is, this is exactly, I think, why I am not fundamentally optimistic about Musk. And again, we have all we have all of these reasons um, that this is good and that this is bad. And I think it is certainly better than the alternative. There's no question about it. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. 
Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.